CAA show, and Natalie, you ate an animal kill, man. I can't say that word right. Hey, Jenny, the new cat. For September 27, 2023. How's it going? How goes it? Oh, man, oh, man. I thought I was going to have an archive show today. But the anthology, but I didn't have time, and then I was so busy. So, but I'm gonna have more time archiving, or, or unearthing the archive per se. God, where the hell did this cat go? What's going on? Where's the cat? Where's the cat? Cat interrupting our production. Oh, sorry. He got the, the, the new cat. If you didn't hear the episode last week, uh, the new cat, Bernie, Bernie Sanders, uh, it's been kind of like it's been what week and a half. What are you picking now? All right. This is an interesting development that you're hearing it live. You're hearing it live. God damn, we're hearing it live. Well, regardless, um, this cat has been here about 10 days or so by the time you hear this episode come out. And uh, it has acclimated beautifully where our resident cat, Wayne, has taken in this younger brother very well uh, to a point that I think these two are kind of tag-teaming me into a point of manipulation, a teamwork, and some feline psychology that I have absolutely no idea what the fuck they're doing to me. But also, they're cross-eating their food, you know, because, you know, Bernie's six months old. Wayne's like five and a half. So Bernie got to be fed a baby cat food. And then Wayne starts eating it, and Wayne's on a prescription food. So I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, it's okay for Wayne to eat the baby food to a degree. I, I see that the... The stool, the shit is coming out fine. It's a fine-ass looking shit, you know. But then Bernie sometimes eats a prescription food, and I saw him throw up all over the place on a weekend. God damn it. And then I, you know, I just go, he starts eating so much so fast, and he just starts throwing shit up. So I got to, like, watch these two, uh, seeing what they're eating. Hang on a second, guys. Hang on a second. I got a pandemonium over here. It's a fucking daddy kitty daycare over here. Fuck. All right. Hang on. Anyways, I, I gotta, I gotta fucking, uh, God, I just came back from, uh, hissing at the cat. Cause I, I, I started hissing at him. Cause that's a one way that these motherfuckers would listen. And I'm just like, man, what, what am I doing with my life? Like, I, I, I'm imitating the cat. I don't know what this cat is like trying to eat. I gotta, now I gotta stop again. Cause the cat is trying to eat something. And I accidentally stopped playing the audio <laughs> or recording the audio. Great job, BK. But basically... I mean, it's it's a living thing. It's a living thing, y'all. It's a microcosm. You know, I started having thoughts like, you know, if this is how much it's gonna take to raise a raise a six month old kitten with a five and a half year old cat, how much effort is it gonna take to raise a fucking human being? You know? And I started like, I, I know it's an unfair comparison. It's not the cat. Cat ain't a fucking, you know, what is it? A human being? You know, feline is not a whatever. I get it, but it's just a sheer fact of like a life thing you got to take care of and a responsibility of doing it. I cannot imagine myself doing this when I was like fucking 10, you know, that eight years old, you know, the kids, can I get a puppy? Can I get a kitten? And do that, all that shit. And I just go like, man, I mean, like if I were a parent and then like some kid asked for a puppy, I'd be like, man, you know how much shit I got to pick up? And then, like, start bitching at the fucking kid about the, re- the thing that they don't understand. And then it's like, you got to be patient with the child and the offspring, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> I'm going to lose my shit. Because <laughs> I'm losing so much shit. Just me, like, raising this uh, little kitten over here. I mean, to be honest, 
I think they've been great relative to, you know, other cats and other fights that they're run, run into. Because they got along really great. They're getting along really great until point of butt sniffing. But, you know, I just go... Now, now they're inseparable, I feel like. I mean, if you give them another two months, they're going to be start licking and cleaning off of each other, you know. But anyways, I just just seeing this happen firsthand and, and then going through it for the first time as, as my own is fucking overwhelming. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little tired already just on top of everything that's been going on, you know. And then, like, got to take care of these living things. And I just go, like, man, life ain't easy and neither is theirs. And then I just go, fuck, man. More and more, I just start feeling like, why would I, why, why I want to, like, challenge myself into bringing a child at this juncture of my life, you know? And if you're a future child listening to this podcast, look, man, it's not your fault. <laughs> it ain't your fault. It's just that your, your father over here, the future father... I'm your daddy. <laughs> is fucking exhausted. And day-to-day life ain't so fucking easy. And I have it better than other people. That said, I'm fucking tired. Monday, tired. Tuesday, tired. Wednesday, tired. You get the fucking idea. And then on that, and then these kitties, and then trying to trying to make sure that they eat the right fucking food, you know, and do all that. And then I just start visualizing. You know, how's this going to go with a human being? And then, you know, the first, I think I mentioned the last week, is like first 24 hours, I was like fucking nervous as shit bringing this kitten. And then I was like, I was like so zoned in to a point where I kind of accidentally like, you know, almost cracked Colleen's finger off of the trunk. And I was like, Jesus Christ. It's like, yeah, BK was so zoned in out of nervousness and he's in a hurry. But, you know, I just go like, whatever, man. And then like, you got to go through these things. Now, now I see these cats just fighting and then a rough tumble tussling. Then I just go, I love watching them just like play fight. It's kind of hilarious. I just like go like, it's like watching a good jiu-jitsu tournament, like the BJJ tournament. You know, it's like, I don't need to see fucking Mark Zuckerberg versus Elon. I see my two cats, you know, doing this every fucking day, you know, about 17 times a fucking day. And then I just go, let them have it. Let them have it. And then I'm, I guess I'm a, I'm a boy's dad at this point. It was like, ah, boys would be boys. Even with the cats, like, oh, fucking go at it. Whatever. So. Anyways, Jesus Christ, I spent six and a half minutes talking about the, the cats and the feline life and then just having my existential crisis as a future father if I decide to become one. You know, it's not even a sure thing in the future, you know, but I just go like, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't handle the cats. How am I going to handle another human being? And then you start having an imposter syndrome of your own, you know, mortality and then just a, a basic, you know, whatever whatever you can offer i just go like life is hard man <laughs> just looking at these cats <laughs> uh speaking of life is hard uh, let's talk about the, my uh beloved colorado buffaloes uh and coach prime uh i have subscribed to the well-off media that's run by dion jr it's been a fascinating fascinating social media experiment and everybody else going out there going like oh they're gonna get humble one way or the other I just go, well, humbled in one way. I did say humble, but will rise again. I said in one of the comments uh, for the Oregon game. Look, man, I knew the Oregon and the USC, the top two dogs, along with Utah, of the uh, Pac-12 conference was going to be a challenging fucking thing. And to be honest, the fact that they're 3-0 and coming into Eugene, Oregon, is a fucking miracle, in my opinion. I said from the very beginning, if you go back and listen to the Coach Prime episode that I had, which is a, 
why Pac-12 needs Coach Prime, which seems so awfully, awfully outdated at this point. You know, you know, everyone knowing that the Coach Prime and the my Colorado Buffaloes are essentially going back to Big 12, where they were 12 years ago or so. So, you know, whatever. But I, you can go back and listen to that episode as to like why why Coach Prime is needed and then my fascination towards him on what he brings to the table. In this uh, in this uh, conference and everything, what episode was that? I had it. Why Pac-12 needs Coach Prime? What episode was that? God damn, I forgot. I'm trying to find it. See, BK is so un- BK is so not prepared lately. You know. Oh, episode two ninety eight from December seventh, two thousand twenty two. Why Pac-12 needs Coach Prime? So go back and listen to whatever. He's the greatest hype man. He's the greatest. Brand seller ever, but like, oh my god, are they, and then the biggest thing that they go internet viral. Look, this is a fucking point of a fucking program that went one and eleven twice in a fucking decade, and I was on campus for one of those fucking seasons. Okay, John Embry was a head coach. Eric Bieniemy was the offensive coordinator. Yes, that Eric Bieniemy who coached Patrick Mahomes and the fucking Kansas City Chiefs and almost got a head coaching job. And the guy, the man, yes, that man was the offensive coordinator. The, the, the last time this Colorado Buffaloes went 1-11, the 2010 season, okay? Or 2011, rather. I remember. So, anyway. Uh, and then, I, I think this team, when I first saw the three games, I thought they are in the trenches, they were awfully light and not competitive because I thought this team was surrounded on the edges, whether it's wide receivers, the cornerbacks, or the Travis likes of the Travis Hunters of the world. Uh... They got the athletes on the outskirts, but the problem is I don't think they had the trenches where they could just like outlier, outright win and then establish, for example, a running game. And they talked about this to Coach Prime. Every game after the game is like, hey, you want to establish your running game, and that hasn't happened. Why? I was like, we just, we're just not winning at the line of scrimmage. And then he said that for three weeks in a row against TCU, against uh, Nebraska, and... More concerningly, against Colorado State, who I thought was going to... I thought Colorado State is not a great team that's also still on the rebuilding phase. Kind of like Colorado, but not at the same budget and the excitement that the CU is going through. But the the fact that Colorado State has such a... You know, Colorado had a, such a hard time against Colorado State to a point that it went to double overtime... Just gave me a lot of yellow flags and the alarm bells. Like, oh shit, it's kind of a reality check right there. So I felt that way when I saw that Colorado State game. Not only were the Colorado Buffaloes sloppy and Travis Hunter got hurt, they were just losing in matchups that they should have won easily. And then I that started going, all right, it might get ugly in Eugene, Oregon. And it might get ugly when Caleb Williams, the potential number one pick, the potential second ever back-to-back Heisman winner, I don't think that's going to happen, is going to come into town uh, this Saturday. And I was very surprised to see the betting line when Oregon was favored by only 21 points, minus 21. And T- for, for the record, TCU game was like 32.5 point, point spread, you know, that TCU was favored. I thought that was way too fucking generous. Because I, I, I know the betters are betting. And then the line moves or the betters move. And I'm sure the casino and the playbooks. The, 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 not the playbooks. The, 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 yeah, the, yeah, the books, basically. The bookies are going to have a very hard, easy time. It's like, all right, you take it, you take it, take it. It's like, betters know something you don't. No, 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 no. Betters are betters. They're all just generous, okay? 
you know? And then they all come from men who are, I say in theory, eternally optimistic. Therefore, minus 21, three-touchdown favorite, Oregon Ducks. And they said, you know what, Coach Prime can cover that. I was wrong for three games in a row, right? Oh, I don't know, including the Colorado State point spread that Coach Prime didn't cover, you know? By wide margin at that point. And I just go like, yeah, I, I think Oregon's really good with a Bo Nix as an experienced quarterback, no matter what you think of Bo Nix. And then I just go like, no, man, this this game should have been like minus 36 and a half. <laughs> that should have been the perfect spread. And then the game ended up being 42 to 6. And I go, oh, if you just cover that right under, you know. I thought that was a game. And then 21 was way too generous for Colorado. And the ass whooping happened, and then it was 35 to nothing. So I was not surprised whatsoever how it turned out. And I think, oh, he's your coach prime got served a humble pie. I was like, there, there's nothing to be humble about. It was just a reality check. What is there to be humble? They didn't go out bragging, in my opinion. Like they do, like, we, we here to be undefeated. And then I'm like, that's not what coach prime was saying. Prime was going like, we are, we can compete. We can compete. We're good as as good as anybody out there if you just do your job and then what what fucking turned out was like hey a lot of the things they talked about in practice didn't come out to play and then they couldn't establish anything and then they started throwing the ball left and right and then they started like just dropping it left and right and then they just go like hey this is what you expected and it happened in eugene oregon at the offstand stadium with a shitty ass bum ass visitor locker room which i heard about but i didn't realize how shitty it was until Dion Jr.'s video showed, and I go, oh, God, that's a road team locker room. You got to go walk on the asphalt to get outside the stadium to get to the locker room. What the fuck is this? And this is a University of Nike? I know you're trying to make shit uncomfortable for the road teams, but I just go like, this is some bum-ass fucking stadium that I've seen. I've seen that stadium before. You know, it's like University of Nike, Oregon, Oregon Duckies, you know, all that. You know, and I just go, hey, you know, and then I go, that's your facility? And then that's your facility for the road team also, for security's sake? It's like, this is the Oregon shit, man. I just go like, you're a fucking joke. You know, UW is a way better program than Huskies. You know, they're a classier program than Oregon. Oregon would be irrelevant if it weren't for Phil Knight. But anyways, I digress. Oregon's been a good program for about a decade and a half with Chip Kelly and on, but whatever. And then Michigan hasn't beaten them either, to my recollection, in recent memory, since 2007. But whatever. So the point is, uh, the reality check got hit, and I think the same thing can happen again this Saturday against USC. And what the Buffaloes need to do is fucking show up and come up with some discipline and then win at the line of scrimmage, which they haven't. And I think this is where Coach Prime is like, look, we're recruiting kids. They're going to come with the, they're going to get more kids that are going to be doing this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm actually looking forward to it because the recruiting is clearly working. The attraction is clearly working. The attention this program is getting is clearly working. It's not a five-year plan like it used to be where like, oh, you need to see your staff and the culture kind of set in in the first year or so. Then you get your kids in and see how they grow, get to the junior year and the senior year and the extra seniors that's going to be there by the fifth year. That's when you really compete. What Coach Prime has evidently shown is that, like, with the transfer portal and NIL, you don't got four years to fucking work with at this point. You're looking at this as, like, two, three-year project and see if you can compete as 
fast as possible and as much as possible. And this year, if they my my optimistic view of the Colorado Buffaloes football is if they're bowl eligible, it's a tremendous success. The fact that they're three and zero and three and one at this point, they got three wins, tripling the wins from last year. It's an incredible improvement. <laughs> And then they go bowl eligible, go six and six. And then I go, all right, go to a bowl game and then win a fucking bowl game. That will be a great recruiting tool and a great marketing to go forward. I didn't expect them to go fucking 10 and two. If they do, that's fucking ridiculous at this point. Like, and then you go, wow, you really fucking uh, did your due diligence. But why did you just go, whatever, man. Like, and then all these other coaches, I noticed that in college, the fucking uh, Washington State coach, the Oregon coach, Lenning, who I have nothing against because I just go, you know what? He's doing his damn job. Ryan Day at Ohio, Arizona State's new coach after Herm Edwards got fired. Look, man, a lot of these coaches started opening their yaps like they're fucking cutting promos on a wrestling show. Like, they're trying to be a, quote, meme generator at this point. And I just go, come on, man. Like, I felt like, a lot of them are putting on a lot of acts that, like, Coach Prime is trying to put on. And I just go, you know, you know, I think Lane Kiffin was doing that a little bit, doing his little tour when I was in Birmingham, Alabama, and, like, carrying that egg bowl around in the regional sense of it. But I kind of go, you know, a lot of these coaches, like, Ryan Day just, like, cutting promo and Rue Holtz is like, where's Rue Holtz now? It's Ohio versus everybody. It's like, oh, shut the fuck up, Ryan Day. Like, what, were, what do you mean Ohio versus everybody? Like, Ohio versus everybody is a wrestling group also, so I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan's a huge wrestling fan. I just go, nobody was against you. You have a pretty good program that has a shitty NIL deals where the kids are fucking leaving. The only one that's left is Marvin Harrison Jr. You don't got an NIL thing. You got to figure out. Like, Michigan's trying to figure that out. Going on a sheer brand level at this point. Alabama needs to fucking figure that out before Nick Saban retires. Like, Clemson's got to figure that shit out. All these schools are trying to figure out NIL, transfer portal, and then, like, hey, who's going to take the best advantage of it and then attract the most number of kids? And then the younger kids, that's going to get the attention and the deal. It's looking like Boulder. It really is. And then the fact that Boulder, Colorado, the fucking whitest, whitest, transient town in America has that attraction is a fucking ridiculous success. It just generated 40-something million dollars for the athletic department and the city of Boulder and, and just, like, two home games? Are you fucking shooting me? That's fucking crazy. That's fucking mad. And it's already a rich town, but I'm like, man. And then all these people complaining. I was like, oh, are you turning... Are you, is, uh, is University of Colorado, CU Buffaloes, turning into a fucking HBCU? And I go, so fucking what? It's fucking irrelevant. This school has had not had a single... Like, significant alumni in this side of the fucking century. Think about it. Who went to CU Boulder since, like, a graduating class since 2000? The only ones before, I don't know, only ones before are the fucking South Park guys. And then Chris Fowler, Rick Riley, just, just the sports personalities. I don't know who else went other than a bunch of football players like, uh, who was it? Mason Crosby, uh, Paul Richardson, the wide receiver that was there for a while on the Seahawks, David Bakhtieri, the offensive line, the fucking uh, Awuzie, the cornerback for the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Who else is there on this fucking team? Chauncey Billups? That's pre-2000s. That's not this century. This school has not had a significant alum in this fucking century. Now you're going to get some. Not just on the football field, not just on the basketball court, but you're going to get all these kids that's going to be inspired to go to CU and then be like, let's fucking do this. Some of you will knock the athletic program and the point of it. You're absolutely right. But, my God, you see how it's a fabric of America, like it or not. And the fact that people are criticizing Coach Prime or wanting him to fail... You're very myopic and short-sighted, and you're just jealous. So, kudos to Coach Prime. They got hit with a reality check, and I took Oregon minus 21. Because <laughs> I am a reasonable man and a Boulder alum, okay? So, anyways, let's see what happens, transpires the rest of the season, you know. But this might turn out... This could be an anthology series of like my, me and the Elon Musk. Just go, I'm with Elon. And then all of a sudden it's like this motherfucker needs some fucking sleep. And then like Dion might sound like that too. But you know, that's why Dion. But you know what? Dion's been in his own self-marketing, self-promotion game longer than anybody in the sports industry or in life. So anyways, thanks for listening. And then uh, we'll get back to you when, when we come back in. October, believe it or not, for 2023. You know, I might have an anthology episode. Oh, who should be the topic of all the top people that we talked about? Elon, Jeff Bezos, uh, Carrie Bradshaw, Meghan Markle. Oh, I don't know. So many, so many topics that overlap that I just say. Donald Trump, this motherfucker. And then I just say it over and over. There's so many to choose from. And then I'll think of something. I'll get something back to you next week. All right, peace out. Have a great rest of the week.